0: I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami!
1: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, December, the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are talking all things Dolphins and Pats with a special guest. Everything you need to know ahead of the primetime showdown in Miami, from areas of vulnerability from the Pats, Miami's plan to deal with a multifaceted New England offense, and just how much longer are we going to have to deal with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? And just real quickly, before we get into that part of the show, I got to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Tuned In, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you want to support the show, go ahead and write us a nice little review. Give us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written Dolphins content needs. And check out the other Locked on Sports podcast, including the Locked On NFL podcast and LockedOn Heat podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's not waste any more time bringing this guest on. He is a writer for Inside the Pylon. He covers all things quarterbacks for Bleacher Reports NFL 1000. And he is the host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast, Mark Schofield. And I had a great time talking with him in this interview. He's an exceptional football mind. And let's go ahead and turn to that conversation right now. And joining me now on the podcast is none other than Mark Schofield of the Lockdown Patriots podcast. Mark, how's your night going tonight?
0: I am doing well, Travis. How are you, my friend? I know you just got home from work. We're on... The different coasts here, so a little bit, a little bit later for me, but uh, I know you're just home from work. Hope things are well.
1: Yeah, they, they certainly are busy nights indeed, and uh, it is pretty tough to get these dolphins podcast out in a timely manner when you can start them on the west coast. So I appreciate you staying up late and burning the midnight oil with me.
0: Oh, happy to do it, man. Anything for you, my friend.
1: <laughs> much appreciated. Let's get into this, this matchup here real quick, Mark, and talk about the Dolphins and Patriots. And, you know, this conversation can be even because the game probably won't be so much in that direction. <laughs> but, there we uh, go. I just, uh, you know, I, I was trying to think about questions to ask you and kind of things I wanted to roll into, but if you don't mind, you want to kick it off for us here and just kind of give us some intro, some opening thoughts on the Patriots and what we might be able to see from them in this game on Monday night.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that you know, Travis, because of The Rob Gronkowski body slam. Let's just put it that way. You know, the the big sort of question mark and a lot of Lockdown Patriots listeners this week have been asking is how is the Patriots offense going to look? Like, what are they going to do? How are they going to sort of make up for the loss of Gronkowski from a schematic standpoint? And, you know, I I think one of the hallmarks, one of the staples of the New England Patriots over the past couple of years has been their versatility on the offensive side of the ball. Finding different ways to get people involved and we've seen that sort of unfold this year with the addition of Brandon Cooks the addition of Philip Dorsett they've become somewhat of a, a downfield passing team at times so I think we'll see some of that we're going to see this team look to run the football you know one of the sort of interesting parts and it's flying under the radar as much as I try to yell out yell about the lockdown Patriots is New England's ability to run the ball on first down You know, they're averaging, I think, 4.6, 4.7 yards per carry on first down. You know, they hit some big first down runs against Buffalo last week, one for like 44, one for 31. So I think we're going to see them look to run the ball on first down. I think they're going to do what they've been doing with Deion Lewis running between the tackles, trying to get Rex Burkhead sort of on the edge at times. And you're talking about a going up against a defense that – At least in terms of DVOA over at Football Outsiders right now, they're 28th in defense and DVOA, 28th against the pass, 17th against the run. So they're going up against a defense that has struggled a little bit, as you know. So I I think that's sort of the one area that we can look at. I think it's going to be – oh, I'm sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I think it's going to be a pick your poison type of thing because the Dolphins defense for a couple of years now, it's really been the same story. It's poor run defense, a, a lack of speed at the linebacker position in, in particular this year. I mean, it really, it looked like it was getting better this year, but it, it seems to have fallen backwards as Lawrence Timmons is kind of regressing in his play and Kiko Alonso, I don't know if he's got an injury or what his deal is, but he's having a rough, a really rough time this year. But the Patriots, you mentioned their ability to run the football and that's been a big, uh, big soft spot for the Dolphins. And, you know, the Rob Gronkowski thing, I've been p- kind of vocal in my displeasure <laughs> with his actions, if you will. And a lot of my friends have been telling me, you're just biased because you, you want the Patriots to be worse. And I'm like, dude, I'm not. The Patriots won the Super Bowl without Rob Gronkowski. They beat our ass by 40 points every time anyway. So what difference does it really make? And you mentioned these speed vertical threats they have. And so I just wonder, you know, you talk about the Patriots and kind of being a team that they can, can game plan each and every week on its own as its own accord and you know I, I look at the Patriots and this is what a lot of teams want to be I think that they are 16 different teams every single year and it just depends on who they're playing the game the game plan in place and the matchup they have so I it, it, like you mentioned I, I really don't know what to expect the, the running of the game should be a big part of the game I think that they're throwing throwing the football to the backs as well should be incorporated so I just I don't know what to expect I just expect a lot of points from you guys
0: yeah and you know, I think that's a really good way to put it, Travis. You know, there are 16 different games, 16 different teams for 16 different games, because at least from the offensive side of the ball, they try so hard to be, you know, matchup focused. You know, you look at, you know, look at the touchdown pass to Rex Burkhead, that quick out route against you guys two weeks ago where you had the shift from Hollister outside and then the tight end shift around and then they use motion with Burkhead out of the backfield. It's because they're trying to find a matchup to then exploit and they end up getting, you know, Rex Burkhead on an undrafted free agent linebacker on a quick out route, you know, and that's what they do both in game situations with the use of motion and shifts to try to help Tom Brady identify mismatches. And that's what they do from week to week where, You know, if you're a defense that has trouble defending comeback routes, they're going to run comeback routes at you. While the next week they face a defense that struggles in a different area, that's what they're they're going to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be curious to see what they come out with in this game because the Dolphins seem to as much as they could, I guess, mix it up a little bit against the Broncos. They played a lot more press man and really challenged routes to the line of scrimmage in that game. And they also did a lot of rotating with the cornerbacks. Bobby McCain, our slot cornerback this year, has had a really good year. And he's in his third year now kind of starting to come into his own. And he had a really good game covering both Emmanuel Sanders in the slot Demarius Thomas outside. He was playing two man. He was playing press man. He was doing a lot of different things. It was fun to see. And they also got Alter on Werner out there. And then obviously Xavier Howard had the big day with a couple of picks. And they've just been kind of rotating these guys, the rookie Lee Tank as well, And so I'm curious to see if maybe they were trying to put something on tape It's different than the Patriots have seen. But then again, you look at Belichick and what he's been able to do throughout the course of his career. It's no mystery that he's the greatest of all time. I just don't really think you can really fool that guy.
0: You know, it's something sort of, you know, to, to keep in mind when you look at... The Patriots and Tom Brady, and how they've sort of constructed the offensive offensive, have given them trouble. You know, there was a lot of talk in the aftermath of that game a few weeks ago, Travis, in the Boston area, a month, sort of, Patriots Nation, that Tom Brady was hit hard a lot during that game. And protecting Tom Brady was an issue at the start of the season. They were on track to give up a, a career high in terms of sacks for him. The protection got better, you know, during that middle stretch you know, in late October, early November, but they roughed him up in that game. And so that's something that I'm curious to see, Travis, is can they duplicate that? Is that something that the Dolphins can take from that tape, take from that game, the blitz schemes, the pressure schemes they used to sort of knock Brady around and apply that this Monday night? That's something that I'm going to be watching because if they do... You know, there is a chance to sort of get to Tom Brady, make him have some mistakes. He's had some bad games down in Miami before in the past. You know, can they sort of duplicate those pressure schemes on him and get him to make some mistakes?
1: Yeah, you, know, you alluded to it right there at the end, talking about his struggles in Miami at times. and yeah, That hasn't been the case lately, but there have been games in the past, and a lot of that had to do with the Dolphins' front four and their ability to create pressure. It hasn't been the case much this year, at least recently. They've kind of struggled getting pressure on the quarterback, but you do have the big money guys on the defensive line that can create pressure. And, you know, Mark, I'm 30 years old. I spent half of my life trying to figure out how to beat this team that you guys have over there in Boston, and it just doesn't seem to ever happen. So, and talking about the way they kind of challenge those routes early, and, you know, you talked about that, that Patriots-Dolphins game just two weeks ago, this weird schedule, the way they have this. It's so strange. They they did a lot of things where it looked like they were a little more juiced up for that game than they have been in the recent, like, the past month. I don't know if it was the J.H.I. trade that got players a little bit disgruntled or whatever it was, but they seem to play a little more charged up. And even though the scoreboard wasn't that close, I saw a different team that Sunday. And then that translated over to the game last week against Denver. So I'm hoping that that, that kind of juice and vinegar pulls over to this Monday night against a, you know, a big-time powerhouse team in a primetime game. So it'll be interesting to see what they do from that standpoint and, and how they attack the Patriots.
0: And that's a really interesting point, Travis. And what I was going to ask you about was, you know, I didn't get a chance to sit down and sort of study that Broncos Dolphins game like what were your main takeaways from that because at first blush you see 35-9 I know Denver's that's what border on lost season territory for the Broncos here but you look <laughs> at 35-9 and you think Miami really had everything together for that game.
1: They did, and a lot of it had to do with Trevor Simeon, and I've been very vocally adamant about how, how bad of a quarterback he is and a lot of missed throws and inaccurate passes, and that's what, I've, that's what I charted last year in 2016, and I don't think much has changed this year. He had a lot of off-target throws. Xavier Howard's pick six was a really simple run-of-the-mill out route. He was an off-coverage, and the, the ball was just way behind him and it floated right to the defensive player for an easy touchdown the other way. So a lot of mistakes in that regard. You mentioned the Patriots running the ball on first down. The, the Dolphins got gashed in the run game for several big chunk plays, you know, seven, eight... 10, 12-yard runs, those type of things. So I, I think they, they played charged up. That they, they, they definitely took advantage of the Broncos' miscues. One thing they really did in that game that they haven't done really all year was dominated in special teams. The, the Broncos started eight drives inside their own 15-yard line, which has not been the case all year with the Dolphins' punting and kick coverage game. So that was a big change. And obviously the Patriots do a good job of you know focusing on the finer details and taking care of that type of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if the Dolphins can repeat that performance from last week.
0: You know, Travis, you mentioned quarterback chart and and I know that's one of the things you do. You do it extremely well. What have been sort of your thoughts on Jay Cutler this year? Because with Tannehill going down, they make the move for Cutler. Have you been... Okay, impressed. Like, what? What is your major takeaway from Cutler's season? Uh,
1: you just opened a can of worms, my friend. Uh,
0: <laughs> Go ahead, have the mic. man. It's all yours.
1: <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is my guy, one hundred percent. I think he. I think that he gets a really, really bad rap, and I think that this year really kind of shed some light on just how valuable he was to this team. You know, I went back into some of the older tape from like twenty fourteen, even back to his rookie year in twenty twelve, and looked at some of the things that he did and the way he kept defenses honest. And you obviously have that read option that's part of the game. He can keep the ball and run it around the edges on, on his own, and keeps the line Linebackers on us. And the Dolphins did a lot of good stuff this week in the play action game with some, some counterwork to Kenyon Drake. And you see those linebackers, just that one false step can make the biggest difference. With Jay Cutler, you don't have that. And then you have the lack of accuracy from Jay Cutler where he just his mechanics get so faulty so often where he's just throwing from weird platforms. His shoulders and his feet are not like hardwired the way they should be. I think that Tannehill can obviously drive the ball in certain areas where Cutler cannot on the move and that type of thing. I think one area that Cutler is better than Tannehill at is climbing up the pocket but then his decision-making and his accuracy is just so bad that it doesn't really pay off for him in the end. So I think that Ryan Tannehill was, verging, was was boarding on becoming one of those top 10 to 12 quarterbacks before he got hurt last year. He was really starting to click. Two of his last three games, he had uh, passer ratings over 124. So he was really starting to find his groove, and I know it takes a long time for him to do that, but under Adam Gaze, he was starting to develop into the offense. So Tannehill was a big part of the Dolphins' success last year, even with J.H.I.'s couple of big games that he had. But Jay Cutler, just from... A, from an ability to stand in the pocket and, and deliver strikes with under under duress and under pressure. He's taken fewer sacks, but he also will bail out and just kind of throw the ball into the turf quicker and not stare down the gun barrel the way Tannehill would. So the passing game has definitely suffered as a result Jarvis landry's yards per catch number is down like four it, it was 12 last year now it's right around eight which is just horrendous for a wide receiver kenny Stills' production is right in line devontae parker's production has dipped the tight ends have gone up a little bit the running backs had gone down up until the jhi trade so i think your trade-off from the quarterback position was was good for about two to three wins or i guess less two to three less wins than they would have had if Tannehill was under center
0: Something I was going to ask you about is that Dolphins passing game from a schematic standpoint, because it seems to me in the study that I've done at them, you know, it's almost like they're more of a vertical passing team trapped inside, you know, an offense that wants to operate at or near the line of scrimmage. So much reliance on cross routes. You mentioned Jarvis Landry and his yards per catch. But what are your thoughts on the schematic approach that Adam Gase has used this year?
1: He one, one set that Adam Gaze absolutely loves is that 3 by one set, and he'll do a lot of variations off of that, where you have the tight end as a Y-ISO on, uh, on the boundary side more, more times than not, with the trips to the play side. And he'll do a lot of different crossing routes, and you mentioned a lot of high-low concepts with the drive routes and that type of thing. And he will build in shot plays, and Kenny Stills is kind of one of those silent assassin types, where he kind of Kenny Still's seems to get open deep once or twice a game, and whether or not we hit him is kind of the difference in games. A lot of the times, I mean, Kenny Still's had nine touchdowns last year; eight of them were from twenty-five yards or more out, more twenty-five yards or more out from the end zone. So he was a big-time, big-play threat. and He's kind of starting to make some of those big plays again, but I think he's really the key to the offense in terms of getting those big shot plays built in. But Adam Gaze, when he took the job of Miami, he said this: this league is played within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. So he definitely wants to play an underneath type of game. I just don't know if his personnel is allowing that because Jarvis Landry struggles to get open early on routes. He had, he struggles to separate early in routes. Devontae Parker has been a complete bust this year, just not worth even putting on the field, to be perfectly honest. He can't get any separation whatsoever. And then Kenny Stills, he's like I said, he's more of a kind of progression guy that has to work into his routes too. So I think personnel has kind of hampered what they want to do on offense in terms of the passing game. But yeah, you're right. They have been a lot more vertical this year, and that, that might have something to do with the fact that we're always in third and long, and, and Jay Cutler and Matt Moore just kind of let it rip, let it rip at that point.
0: You know, with these teams met a couple weeks ago, Travis, as you know, Patriots going up against Matt Moore, they were able to get some pressure on him. And part of that, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I think a lot of that was due to Moore perhaps being a little bit slower in the pocket, a little bit slower with his reads and his decision making. Do you expect the Patriots to have the same amount of success getting after the quarterback with Cutler in? Or do you think with Cutler in the offense, the ball will at least get out quicker?
1: I think that Cutler does a better job of kind of navigating within the pocket. You saw Matt Moore make that, uh, (laughs) he tried to make one of those Russell Wilson kind of spin to the backside moves. And it it was really, it was a sad look for him and I felt kind of bad for him. But I think Jay Cutler has a little bit more of an innate ability to kind of recognize the pressure from both uh, off the edges. And that's why I mentioned he can climb the pocket a little bit better. And he, he does a better job of doing that. But he also, like I said, you know, he'll fade back into those fadeaway throws. And that's where a lot of his mistakes come from is those fadeaway throws. And they're just really rough to watch. But I, you know, I think that the what the Patriots will have to do is just send rushers up the middle because that's where he's had a hard time dealing with that. He doesn't really move laterally very well. So I think if they the I'm sure Belichick will see that on film and they'll dial up a lot of pressure in that way.
0: One of the things that struck me, Travis, watching this game the last time was Patriots were able to have success throwing the ball sort of in the middle of the field, some dig routes, some deep crossing routes. They were finding guys open in space. I know that after the game, there was some, there was some talk from Miami about some coverage breakdowns, some mistakes. Did that sort of get cleaned up against Denver? Or do you think that's still an area of concern as we look ahead to Monday night?
1: that's a great question because I had Joe Shad on the, the Miami uh, Dolphins one of the Miami Dolphins beat writers from the Palm Beach Post last that's week that's a big get that's yeah, a big get he's the man he's been awesome he, he does a lot of my work on the uh, on the Dolphin, the Daily Dolphin blog so big props to Joe Shad love that guy um, but he was he was telling me or he had a tweet that said the the mantra of the Dolphins 2017 season is my bad I thought you had him and you'll see so many oh, of these wow. touchdowns that go down the field and you'll see the cornerbacks with Rashad Jones kind of like what you know, what's going on back here and I think that it's it's kind of a combination of a couple of things. The Dolphins have all, all three of their starting cornerbacks right now, if you consider the nickel starter, which I do, are all under 25 years old. So they, these guys are new. They're fresh. You have TJ McDonald. This is his first year with the team. He didn't play the first eight games of the year. So basically Rashad Jones is the one guy that has been there. So you have all these new guys working together with Cordray Tankersley, Xavier Howard, and then Bobby McCain in the slot. So it's been rough on them in terms of getting that corrected. But I think that last week, you kind of started to see it get a little bit better. And uh, I think their communication has gotten a little bit better in that sense. But, I mean, with the Patriots and kind of their concepts and stuff, you never know when that
2: can pop back up again. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast,
0: part of the Locked
2: On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Mark Schofield, Travis Winfield doing a little crossover action here, locked on Patriots, locked on Dolphins. You know, Travis, as we look ahead to Monday night, you know, uh, what would be. You know, to tell Patriots fans out there who are listening, what would be something you would need to see sort of early in the game to make you think, okay, this might be one of those, you know, Brady and Miami horror show type games for him, and the Dolphins get a chance to pull off this one.
1: Just like you mentioned earlier in the show, Mark, is getting him in third long and then putting pressure on him. We all know how big of uh, – how hard of a time it is to get Tom Brady off the field, and you have to have constant pressure on him. You have to have that pressure up the gut. I would say – effective blitzing with good man coverage early in routes because, you know, Brady's so sharp at the line of scrimmage and before the snap that if you don't have a a coverage disguise properly, if you don't have a well-timed blitz, he is going to eat you alive. And we've seen him time and time again. So I would say early third and long. So stop the first down run, like you had mentioned, and then good pressure with good blitzing on third down.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, off of that, those are kind of the things that always give me pause about a Patriots game, you know, going into it, you know, can this defense they're going up against get pressure on Brady early? And particularly this year, can they stop the run on first down? The Dolphins? Or could, could you know, just generally, like, looking, for, you know, as somebody covering the Patriots, you know, can any sort of opponents, like, stop the run on first down this year? Because that's been such a critical thing for the Patriots this year. So I mean I guess building off of that, then do you think that the Dolphins can do that this week?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I will get, get your saying now. Uh, yeah, if the Patriots are in second and three or second and four, it's it's over. You're not you're not gonna get them off the field just because of that short passing attack. But I don't necessarily expect them to excel in that area. One of the things I've seen with Matt Burke's defense is he likes to slant the defensive ends in and then use the outside linebackers as kind of that edge, the edge kind of the edge setters, and it just hasn't really worked out from that well because Lawrence Timmons is kind of having a rough stretch like I mentioned earlier. And then on the other side of of Kiko Alonzo, who he's in the wrong gap, I would say 75% of the time anyway. And then the other side, they've been kind of doing this rotation with Chase Allen, a rookie, a undrafted rookie. And then Stefan Anthony, the guy that they bought from New Orleans for a fifth round draft pick this earlier in the season. And those guys have had a hard time getting off blocks and, and recognizing, you know, their run fits early and down. So, I don't think it's going to happen, and uh, last week they had Devon Godshaw was out of the game, or missed the game with an injury, and he's a big part of the defensive line rotation as well, so he's been a good, he's done a good job of taking on double teams this year as a rookie defensive tackle next to and Sue. Without him, we have good players behind him, but that rotation definitely takes a hit when he goes out. Now, Mark, I have some questions for you. Can I go ahead and flip the script on you here a little bit? Let's go. Awesome. Okay, so the first question I had for you was these are these are questions kind of geared more towards the future because you guys obviously have a Super Bowl run ahead of you. You have to make. We're looking at twenty eighteen, possibly twenty nineteen, before we can even get into that conversation. So my first question for you is: Where are the Patriots most vulnerable, like moving forward? Like, where are some areas where we can attack them in this game, and then possibly, uh, you know, take advantage of some of these weaknesses down the line in twenty
0: eighteen and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the. The elephant in the room, so to speak, is the quarterback position. And I know that seems incredibly awkward to hear when you're talking about the New England Patriots, when you're talking about Tom Brady in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time. But they do have a question mark decision to make at some point. I know Brady says that he wants to play until he's 40, 45, whatever, and he's playing it at such a high level right now that it's hard to bet against him. You know, but they do need to address that position at some point. You know, So they're going to have to figure out I would expect them to be in on a quarterback in this draft, maybe even early. Right now, I mean, they're they're looking at a pick late in the first and a pick early in the second with San Francisco's, and so it wouldn't surprise me to see them address quarterback early in the draft. So that's one thing. What happens to the New England Patriots in the post Tom Brady era, whenever that arrives? Sort of more in the short term, though, the defensive front is going to be a question mark for this team because Dante Hightower. Again, sideline for the rest of the year. They've been able to get some pieces in, you know, they they have Kyle Van Noy, who they like a lot Landon Roberts to sort of grow it into sort of a middle linebacker role for them. They have patchwork guys with Trevor Riley, although he missed last week with an injury, David Harris, who they signed who's definitely, you know, near the end of his career, but they've been using him in situations. And then up front, you know, pass rush has always been a concern for them. So, The defensive front is going to be an area that the Patriots will have to address and have to lock down if they look to really improve that. Because as we saw at the beginning of this year, the defense struggled a bit. Pass rush has always been sort of a question mark for them. So that would be sort of the short-term area I would point to, that defensive front seven. And long-term, as I said, it's that quarterback spot. What happens? What does New England look like after Tom Brady hangs them up?
1: You just gave me a perfect segue into three of my next questions. So I guess I'll just pick one of them. Uh, the, the first one I had for you was, you know, the Dolphins this year, a lot of the Dolphins fans are, are really salty about the fact that the interior offensive line play has not been good and the resources they put towards it. It wasn't a good effort. They put Ted Larson out there. He gets hurt. And when he comes back, he's just a trash player. Mike Pouncey is a shelving former self. And then the right guard position was Jermon Bushrod, who wasn't good last year. They bring him back anyway. So, My question to you, Mark, is the Dolphins, Adam Gaze does not value the guard position. It's something that he believes isn't important because the ball comes out so quickly that they don't even have time to beat the guys on interior rushes. So one thing that I had heard, I can't remember who it was from, but it was that Bill Belichick doesn't necessarily value the defensive end position because they use a lot of blitzing with the linebackers, and those outside linebackers have so much responsibility. Is that a a myth, or is that truth?
0: No, I I think there is some truth to that, and You know, you look at the evolution of Dante Hightower last year. I mean, he was a middle linebacker by trade. But as the season wore on, they started to use him more as an edge defender. You know, they started doing a lot more with guys like Hightower and guys like Van Noy on the edge, using outside linebackers on the outside because you get a couple of things when you do that. You get schematic versatility because you can drop those guys into coverage. You can move those guys around. And you sort of get confusion up front because it's sort of like, you know, Back when teams played more base, back when teams, back when 11 personnel wasn't sort of the base offensive formation and you saw more 4-3 or 3-4, the reason why the 3-4 was such an interesting defensive front was the fact that you got more, you know, you could do more conceptually with it. You had different looks you could use with a 3-4 front because you didn't know who was coming and who was going. Now that teams are running so much 11 personnel and so much nickel, where nickel, like you said, is base, Travis, which is a great point, you know, you have to do other things to get that sort of confusion up front. And so that's why I think why Belichick has started to use guys like Van Noy, guys like Hightower on the edge, get those versatile guys out there. Because what you're doing with them is just giving the offensive lineman something else to think about. Is this guy going to come or is he going to go? Because he can do both. It's not like a just dedicated pass rusher, like a Miles Garrett type, who you know is going to be coming. Or, you know, Vaughn Miller, who... They tried to drop him into coverage when the Patriots played them a couple of weeks ago, but that's not his best game. He can't do it that well. And so when you're dropping him into coverage, you're basically just taking him out of the play with guys like Van Noy and guys like Hightower that can do both ways effectively. It makes the defense think a little bit more.
1: That's a really, really excellent point. The Dolphins do a lot of that too, where they drop the defensive ends back into coverage. And I, I swear for the life of me, I haven't seen it work once, but they do it anyways and, uh, so my next question for you, Mark, this is uh Mark Schofield, Travis Winkfield here on the lockdown Patriots and lockdown dolphins podcast here on the lockdown podcast network. And, uh, so you, you touched on this pretty well, but I want to go back to it a little bit because like I mentioned, we're really concerned about the future. And I, I personally loved Jimmy Garoppolo out of Eastern Illinois back when he came out of that class, he was my second favorite quarterback in that class. And when the Patriots drafted him, I was like, okay, well, I can't like him anymore. <laughs> so, right. so he goes up to new England and, and he learns under Tom Brady for so long. And, you know, he had that first game in San Francisco last week, his first start in, I guess he gave him a little bit of a juice in that, in that game. But so does trading Jimmy G, you mentioned talking about taking a quarterback high, and I don't doubt that they will. That's just like Belichick thing to do. Just keep on, you know, turning over those resources and turning him into future resources. Does that mean that we're stuck with Tom Brady for another five years?
0: <laughs> you know, Travis, I, I think that's the underlying current to that decision, because, you know, when you trade away, and let's take a couple of steps back here, they traded away Jimmy percent at the start of September. Yeah, you know this was a quarterback room that had Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, and Tom Brady to start the season. Now all three of them are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's crazy. Only one of them is with the New England Patriots. They traded with Jacoby Brissett, but you still have Jimmy Garoppolo, so you still have a high quality QB two. Now you trade Garoppolo because the financial considerations were such that it was going to be next to impossible to have both of those guys on the roster next year because Garoppolo was due for a new deal. He was going to want not starter money, but a decent contract. And obviously Tom Brady commands a good portion of their salary cap. So the capital implications were such that they had to do something with one of those guys. And that was sort of the, are they actually going to move Brady sort of consideration coming into the season? But now with the Garoppolo trade, they have to believe that they've got Brady as their guy for at least the next two to three years, because it would surprise me. Looking at this draft class, as much as I like the quarterbacks in it, I don't think any of those guys is ready to sort of step in and be the guy from day one. I think some of these guys need a little bit of work. And now with the Garoppolo trade, yeah, Patriots organization, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft must be thinking, we're going to ride with this guy for the next two or three years, maybe even longer depending on how he plays. We can get our guy in and have him be the next Garoppolo where three years down the road, say, a Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson or you know, whoever they decide to go after, if they do address the quarterback position can step into that. Now, having said all that, you know, you've sort of lost sleep trying to figure out how to go after the New England Patriots. I got to tell you from my perspective, Travis, I've lost sleep. I've lost hair trying to figure out what they're going to do weekend to week out. And especially what they're going to do in the draft. I'm sitting here thinking they'll go quarterback early. They might wait until day three and take a guy like Matt Lenahan from Idaho, who <laughs> I think would fit their system. And I like, but you know, I wish I could guarantee you what they're going to do. I think they go quarterback early, but I've been wrong before on them. I'll be wrong again.
1: Yeah, and there certainly is a lot of quarterbacks in this class worth taking a look at, so interesting to hear that, and it's just so crazy to think that they could possibly get away with having that confidence in Brady at age 40, because that has been the ultimate cliff for all these legendary quarterbacks. Dan Marino just compl- I mean, it was a different era back then, I understand that, but he, I mean, he his knees were <laughs> they were no longer even function at, functioning at that point. Peyton Manning just fell off a, a complete cliff. Brett Favre, I mean, these guys all at that 39-40 that age limit, they just start to deteriorate, and you haven't seen any of that from Tom Brady so yeah
0: and you know Travis you probably know this too from watching Brady from studying and charting quarterbacks the, the pocket woven from Brady is what's enabled him to play to this age and to play at such a high level because you know you mentioned Marino you mentioned Favre you know neither one of them were like more athletic than Brady or anything like that but Brady's ability to sort of like slide dip duck whatever he needs to do to avoid hits he's been doing that at such a good level. It's such a you know, he's been so good at that 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 more than any avocado ice cream or whatever is what's <laughs> enabled him to keep playing at this level because he avoids those hits. You don't see him take a ton of hits. And you know, I mentioned that there was a lot of concern up in Boston about how he got knocked around a bit the last time these two teams played. It wasn't like he was sacked like fifteen times or anything like that. It's just that when you see Tom Brady get hit, it's like, whoa, this doesn't usually happen because he's usually so good at avoiding this stuff.
1: Yeah, and he he seems like he's just getting better at that kind of stuff in terms of the pocket movement and the and just the the way he manipulates the blocks in front of him and gets himself into a platform to throw the football down the field. And like you said, it's, he's just getting better and better. It's it's defying all logic. and I, I don't I can't really understand it. But my last question for you here, Mark, is, just, is something that has to do with current Patriots. So I'll get your your listeners back tuned into the the current atmosphere right. of the NFL. And uh, you know, you guys lose Julian Edelman in the preseason. You've been without Chris Hogan for a while now. Who in Reflect on this for me, too, and talk about Chris Hogan. Is he like a replacement-level player, or is he just kind of someone that was part of the scheme, or is he actually a, a guy that can go ahead and, and have success elsewhere? And then now you're, you're going to be down Gronkowski. What is the difference in, in terms of schematics and kind of flipping the same question you asked me, what have the Patriots done to mitigate those losses and continue to have so much success on offense?
0: Yeah, and, and part of it gets back to where we sort of started, Travis, with the, the ability and the more than just the ability, the desire in the pre-snap phase to use movement, shift, and emotion to find a matchup and then exploit it. You know, when I sit down every Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and Monday morning to, like, shout out all these quarterbacks for Bleacher Reports, NFL 1,000 projects, I'm always blown away at the difference between how the Patriots sort of approach this pre-snap phase and – most, if not all, of the other teams in the league because the Patriots are so active pre-snap, moving guys around. And it's because they're trying to find, you know, it's sort of like if you watch soccer, you know, the beautiful game. And the announcer talks about, you know, probing the defense because you're trying to find that little weak spot and then take advantage of it. That's what the Patriots do so well. And so it doesn't matter if they're running 12 personnel with, you know, Jacob Hollister, and undrafted free agent tight end of Dwayne Allen or if they're going out there with 11 personnel or whatever, they're going to move these guys around to try to find, okay, we found that this one guy can't cover a crossing route. So we're going to try to get Brandon Cook's matched on him to run a dig route. That's what we're going to do. And we might not hit it the first time we run it, but we're going to hit it at some point during this game. And so that's been the underlying sort of key to their successes. Doing the things like that, you know, I think back a couple of years, they, years ago, they opened up against, uh, they open a game against the New York Jets with a motion Shane Vereen out wide and they run an out and up with them and they get them matched up with a linebacker and it goes for a 55-yard touchdown because that's the stuff that they do. They've been doing it for years. You think back to what they had Aaron Hernandez and Robert Gronkowski as their two tight ends. They would go up-tempo with Danny Woodhead and what if you wanted to play base, fine. They would spread you out and go five wide and throw the ball. If you wanted to go nickel, they would line up with Hernandez and Woodhead in the backfield in the eye formation because they're that's been what they do. They use shifting, sometimes even, you know, tempo to try to find those matchups and go after you. Whatever your weak spot is, they'll try to find it.
1: And as someone that tries to, to be a neutral observer when I'm doing the tape study on other quarterbacks, it really is fun to watch because we hear all this stuff about Jared Goff and Sean McVay and how he's been coming to the line of scrimmage, you know, early in the play clock so he can get those, those- – defensive audible or the defensive coverage is identified from the quarterback or from the coach rather than the quarterback, because you're putting a, a brilliant mind really in the quarterback's helmet. And Tom Brady basically is that extension on his own. And you can do that pre-snap. And it's just so much fun to watch the way you mentioned, the way he attacks things pre-snap and you get those running backs and the, he'll motion one out. My my title for Tom Brady last year, I did a title on every single quarterback for their season, and it was death by a thousand paper cuts because he yep. would he would motion out these running backs on to the to the perimeter side of the field, and he would he would just run a five yard hitch route, and it was wide open and off coverage because these guys were scared of a linebacker getting beat deep, and he just throw a little five yard hitch route, and then he runs through a tackle, and all of a sudden you have second and one, or you know another first and ten. So it's just so much fun for me to watch as a neutral observer, and completely agonizing to watch as a Dolphins fan. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I hear you, man. So, let's get down to it. Getting close here. Any predictions for Monday night?
1: I was just going to ask you the same thing. I think that Miami <laughs> might keep it close in the first half, and then it probably gets away from in the second half once you know the Patriots go to the locker room like they tend to do and come out and exploit teams with their halftime adjustments. So I will say it'll be thirty-one to seventeen Patriots.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you. I think you've kind of got it right. I mean, I think this is one of those games where. You know, I, I'd see it being, like, a one-score game at halftime. Maybe the Patriots would sort of, like, break it open a little bit. Um, I'm not expecting a big blowout or anything like that. I, I don't think that kind of thing happens, especially where it's, you know, it's down in Miami. You know, a right now, it's 11-and-a-half. Eh, that, that might be close. Um yeah, I'd see something maybe in the 31-21 kind of range. So maybe take the points in this one.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And, you know, you guys uh, you guys covered the spread by a half point last time, that lovely 17-and-a-half point spread. But you did yeah. it by giving us a favor on the snap over Tom Brady's head for the touchdown. So if you can do that again for us, that would be awesome.
0: We'll do what we can. I hope everybody has enjoyed the Locked Over Patriots Locked On Dolphins crossover show. Travis, let the people know where to find you, man.
1: Yes, sir. It's at Wingfield NFL on Twitter, and also the show is at Locked On Fins. You can find me on lockedondolphins.com with fanrag sports. And then the third and 10 website, the quarterback site, has taken the backseat as I'm too busy to do it right now, but we'll get back to that in the offseason. But Twitter is at Wingfield NFL.
0: Yes. Please follow Tra- Travis on Twitter. Please do that. does great work with Locked On Dolphins. Travis Bed great chatting with you, man. Really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, me too, Mark. And hopefully uh, someday in the future we can get back on this and maybe have three in the season with the Dolphins-Patriots playoff game one day.
0: That would be nice. That would be nice, my friend. I would look forward to that. But regardless, we will definitely be chatting soon, my friend.
1: Very good, Mark. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you.
1: So that was Mark Scofield of the Locked On Patriots podcast. Very, very good conversation. We both think the Patriots win this game in Miami on Monday night. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. Go ahead and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow. Check that. Be back on Monday with a recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins
2: football.